audio interview recorded Tuesday, April 6th, and this is a conversation I had with a very lovely woman from Florida, and her name is Diana, and uh, she specializes in a sort of psychic reading using animal spirits as guides, and uh, I heard her interviewed on Whitley Strieber's website, Unknown Country, and Ann Strieber, Whitley's wife, did a uh, about a 45-minute long interview with Diana, and I listened to it recently, and it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. And I, I immediately contacted her. She she writes on the forum, and uh, and so she was easy to contact, and I just got a hold of her, and I, and I said, I wanted to interview her too. And I, and I have to be honest here, that one of the reasons, a big reason that I wanted to do this interview, this conversation, was perfectly selfish. I wanted to have the psychic reading, the animal reading, the animal spirit reading. Part of that is I wanted to, I just was curious if, if owls would show up in, somehow in the reading. Um, they didn't really. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but at some point early on in this conversation, she does do a, a reading. And the conversation itself is quite lovely. It's quite fun. Um, and I was delighted. Uh, she has a very, very nice way about her. I will also add, and this is this is an odd thing to try to describe, um, throughout my life, on very rare occasions, I will meet people that, were, that will give me tingles. And I remember this happened a lot in my youth. I'm 47 now, so my youth seems a long ways off. But um, it very rarely happens to me these days. Uh, during the audio conversation, during the recording session, which we did on Skype, uh, I was, I was uh, lost in this, this very blissful, tingling sensation. And, and it's always been, been uh, a, a very blissful feeling. And the, uh, this is hard to explain, it's this very peaceful, calming tingling sensation that runs down my back. There was a hot dog vendor. I lived in New York City for a while, and there was a hot dog vendor when I was in college that, that had a hot dog stand on 14th Street. And I used to go talk to this old Jewish guy. And uh, it was. And the reason I would talk to him is specifically to get this tingle. And it was magic. For some reason, this, that, guy could, that guy could do it. There's been a handful of other occasions uh, in my life. My grandfather was one of them that, could, that would, uh, was capable of giving me this tingle sensation down my back. Um, and Diana did it too. Please enjoy. So thanks so much for saying yes to this. Again, my pleasure. And I just, um, the only thing that I know of you is from the interview that you did with Ann Streber on the Dreamland website. Right. And I thought, and that, I thought that was very interesting. I thought that was great. Yeah, on the message board, I'm animal spirits. Good, okay. And do you have a website of any kind? Yes, I do. Uh, my website is www.animalspirits.com. It's got over 300 animals. It's about 170, 175 pages. And how did you, and so presently the type of work you do is you you call yourself, an, uh, you work with animal spirits? Yes, I, I, I all of my life um, I've been talking to spirits, especially animals. And I'd say for the last about 25 years, I've been working primarily with, with animal spirits. And I do some a little bit of work with live animals, usually remotely. 
Um, I, I do pet communication. I talk to people whose animals are sick. And is this different than like a pet intuitive or a pet psychic? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know because I've, I've just been doing this all of my life and I've been doing it alone and I've never been taught to do it. And I don't really know what words to put with it. All I know is that it's a gift and I can do it. I'm sure that probably it's psychic to a certain degree. Um, I, I can't, like, if somebody says, is, is my cat going to die in two months? Unless the cat tells me it's going to die in two months, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't do work with humans, not because I've been told not to, but my direction just has not gone that way. Mm -hmm. I do have the ability, though, if you give me a a circumstance, you give me something that that has happened, most of the time I see that, that unfold before me just like a red carpet rolling out to the end. I tend to see endpoints more than the between things. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. A little bit. So your work is doing spirit um, animal work. How do you? How would you um, describe the benefits that people get from it? Um, when I do readings for them, it tends to validate uh, things that they're going through and... Um, it, it, it tends to make them better understand what's going on and which animal is helping them at that particular time to get to uh, move through whatever issue is happening. Uh, because I view everything in life as a lesson, even the, even the bad stuff as a lesson. And if you can learn the lesson and move that to your soul and drop all of the fear and anger and anything else as baggage, then you're able to move on along your path. Otherwise, you wind up throughout your life adding and adding and adding bags that you continually pull behind you, which makes your path get slower and slower and slower. And then by the time... You're, you're older, you've got so much baggage that it really stops your path and, in, and stops you from, from your soul actually expanding or growing or being able to, um, to do new things. Mm-hmm. And you talked about working with a set of cards. Yes. Um, I do readings... Um, I also have a forum um, that you can get to off of my main website on Delphi. Um, you have to you have to join Delphi, but they have a free version. And I used to do readings on Sunday night for two hours on that, but my health got to where I couldn't sit for two hours to do it. So I do them online in that forum, and then I do them online in the totem thread uh, in the spiritual section on the message board mm-hmm. uh, on Unknown Country, or I do them by email. That's, that set of cards, the animals directed 
me to make. They told me what animals to put on. The animals who wanted to be on the set of cards told me, and I put some on there. And it's a unique set. Nobody's got one like it. And for instance, um, I may I may have a card that says bird on it. And when I turn that card over, um, I'll see a wren or a, an eagle or, or whatever kind of bird wants to come. I'll see that bird sitting on that card. Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's how I know which animal it is. And I, I'll have one that has cat. And if I turn it over, it could be anything from a half cat, house cat to a snow leopard mm-hmm. sitting on there. Um, and then some of the other ones, like dog and um, a, a few of the other ones, are more... I just have to interject here. Um, as I'm editing, this is a couple days after the interview, uh, right here at this point, um, I looked out the window and saw a golden eagle fly by, which is very unusual. Flew right by my house, uh, very easy for me to see out the window, and uh, and just passed by. Interesting. Uh Coyote, they're 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 more one animal on on the card. Mm-hmm. There's, I think there's about sixty, seventy cards, something like that. And and they don't have like a traditional illustration on them, the same way that a that a no, no, they just have a word written on them. In fact, anybody can make their own deck of cards, and you can just use a regular poker deck of cards. And you can just write the name of the animal on that particular card. And what makes the deck work is not how pretty it is or how beautifully illustrated it is, but it's that that individual person puts their energy into the deck and they're, they're working with the animals to make that deck. And that's where the power of that deck comes from. In fact, the decks made by people um, are usually more powerfully correct for them than ones they go out and buy. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been doing this type of reading with these cards? For 10, about 15 years. And and in the last 15 years, which... um, have you noticed just collectively, like the the population of you know just I guess Joe Normal and just the population of people around, has that changed at all? Have you sensed a change in the level of openness? Well, I have to tell you first that I'm an indigo, mm-hmm. so my childhood was never normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm ever ever it, when I was two years old, my father was in the navy just for four years during World War Two, but. When I was two years old, I could name all of the constellations and all of the first magnitude stars in the sky. He would say, where's Orion? And I would point to it. I mean, I had that connection with the stars at two years old, which is, you know, most two-year-olds aren't going to have. And I, I just threw out, and I talked some about some of the other things that happened in that interview with Anne. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it just throughout my life, my life has never, never been probably normal in that I could always see spirits. I could always talk to trees and plants. But the interesting thing is I'll, I'm close to 70, 
And back when I was a young child, had I said what I could do, they would have put me in in, um, some kind of state mental hospital. Sure. And I was smart enough to not tell a soul about it until about 15, 20 years ago. And how was that coming out process for you? It was fine. I, I knew it was time. I mean, I knew it was time, and by then I didn't care. You know, I didn't care because I was, you know, old enough. My children were grown, um, and it, it was fine. And then it became m- more accepted in that last 15 to 20 years that there are people that can do this. It's becoming more and more accepted, which makes it easier for the indigos of today that are living in a society like ours, but I often think of the horrible horror it must be to say be born a female child in a in Afghanistan. Uh, I mean the indigo, female mm-hmm. indigo. Because you would probably be killed yeah, if be- you if you said what it was you could see or do or acted in, in an indigo way. An indigo is just a child that's born with their third eye wide open, is basically. And perhaps you know, there's there might be, and I can't speak. This is just speculation. Um, you know, children who are uh, gifted with with heightened spiritual awareness in some cultures would that may uh, dovetail or manifest into their um, to the you know somehow into the religious realm of of their society. And it might not be that bad. I'm just thinking of, or you know, someone that would have been born in. I, I'm just thinking of almost time is as big of an issue as as well as you know with geography where they were born too. Right. That's that's true. That's you know, and like someone born in in uh, Italy a hundred years ago with these with with a very advanced psychic skills may have just been ushered into the church somehow and 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 potentially played a very important role in in their in their village or their society. Um, though, though I'm sure for every good story, there's a, there might be a, 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 a you know a dark story too. Right, right. It 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 can be it can be difficult. It can be difficult, and for parents that don't understand that they have these enormously gifted children that need to be able to do what it is they've come here to do, it, it's very hard. It can be very hard. It would be very hard to raise a child like you know if you didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And and as far as now, you you just described the openness of the last fifteen or so years, and those fifteen years seem to coincide with the advent of um, the internet. And I just I, I, to me, the internet the internet's played a huge role in it because I know that. My forum on Delphi has about uh, 25,000 members. They don't all come at one time, but, but I offer free lessons in how, how to hear, hear the animal spirits or how to make your own deck or how to interpret dreams, and all, all, uh, all of that stuff is free. Everything that I do is free. I don't charge for anything, nothing. And there have been quite a few of those people that have come to that site and they will stay for a while and then they may wander off and they may be gone two or three years and they'll come back 
and they'll say, I got, I lost my center, or I got off balance, and I've come back here to get centered again, and they'll stay for a while, and then they'll go on off again, which is the whole purpose of both the website and the forum, is to allow that process to occur as they need it. I, I, but the Internet has played an enormous role in, in young people's ability to get information. The only problem is there's a lot of bad information out there, too. But then you have to learn to weed that out. And I think there's a lot of bad information anywhere. I think that we could have easily. There's a lot of bad information in a library. There's a lot of bad information out there. So, so that's that. That's a, something that that everyone requires anyway. Is that that? Um, that's part of. I guess that's part of spiritual growth. You just kind of have to. Uh, I I say that I've wandered a lot in my life. I I I held a job at the state of Florida. I worked for the state of Florida for 32 years, which is an incredibly as a chemist, no doubt. Um, but as as that core, it allows me to wander spiritually, wander around and do the things I wanted to do spiritually because I had that job that gave me the money to pay for my bills and things. And I've, I've always, my degree is in biology with um, microbiology, what would be microbiology now. But I've always had the ability to either use my left brain, my science part of my brain, or my right brain, which is my intuitive part. I've always had the the ability to separate them, or I can use them together. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite know how I do that, but I can. That's why it. A lot of people are very are just floored when they find out that I have a degree in science. Because they tend to think of me more as a woo-woo foo-foo who doesn't really know anything about science, but I know a lot about science. It's it's interesting but, uh, the separation because I I'm a, I don't know how much should I tell you about myself a little bit or, or would you like to at one yeah, point? yeah yeah now, sure would you now here's an you, we talked a little bit over email and you offered to to do a, a reading of some sort just an animal spirit reading for me and I'm I'm sh- curious should we proceed with that or how do you want to. Yeah, we can do that if you want to. Yeah, let's do that before I share got, anything got, about me. No, I don't want to know anything about you. Okay, good. I, I want to. I want to do it. I want to do it blind. Hang on a second. No worries. No worries at all. At this point, I can hear Diana get her deck, and I hear her shuffle the deck, and then I can hear her laying physically laying the cards on a table. And it's very slow and very methodical, and uh, and then I wait for her to to explain what she sees. What I did for you was a four with a five card reading, um, which is a directional reading east, south, west, north, and within. And in the east, frog came. And the east is where you get your information, your illumination. Um, and and I'm talking. This is this is spiritual more than physical. This whole reading is spiritual, where you get your information and where the sun rises. And frog, frog has the ability to cleanse emotional traumas or problems 
mostly through the use of water. Uh, water is very is usually very helpful and soothing to people that are working with frogs. But it 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 has the ability to bring to process that and come out the other end. Now, in the South, which is where you keep your trust and childhood wonder, a bee came. And bee has the ability to talk to spirits. To, to ability, uh, it has the ability to see what most people don't see. And for that, you would, you would probably be basing your trust on intuition more than on proof. <laughs> you, 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 you can walk, somebody can walk up to you, and before they open their mouth, you know whether you trust them or not, because you're going on, on intuition and energy. Oh, that's And so then they can, they can BS you all they want to, but that doesn't, that, just, that doesn't sway you one bit, because you already know whether you trust them or not. Then in the West, which is where you store the information that you got in the East and where the sun sets and where you enter the dream time, that's where your soul goes to go back to the dream time or heaven or this whole world or whatever you want to call it. And here Beetle came, a little ladybug came, and... um. She stands for enlightenment, for truth and enlightenment. So you have the ability to take all of the information that you processed emotionally, mostly through, you're processing your information emotionally and intuitively rather than through reading it in books. You may read books, but at the same time you're reading the book, you're going, eh, that doesn't make any sense. I, I know that's that's a bunch of bull. Or yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That you're, that's coming from frog. That's little frog sitting on your shoulder talking to you. So you have the ability to take all of that information that you've learned um, in the east and store it in the west. And it's going to result in enlightenment for you. It's going to result in a in a good progression of your soul. You're going to be able to retain a lot learned in this life through what you've done with frog. His beetle's going to help you do that. And then in the north, where you have, that's where you where your ancestors live, where the old ones live. And I'm not just talking about your grandparents. I'm talking about your ancestors for all time. And here, there you have coral. Coral? And coral. Like, coral, coral like in, 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 in like, under the water. Yeah, but it's an animal. It's mm -hmm. not a plant. And coral, coral talks to you about diversity. So for you... When you're speaking to your ancestors, you need to be aware of the vast diversity of the past lives that you've had and the ancestors that you had. In other words, yours is not a straight line of 
information but a tree that forks and branches and has a lot of twigs on it. And it may be down one of those little twigs that you get your most, most of your information. And that's going to be the things that just come to you in what I call duh moments, where you're just sitting sitting on a porch or mowing grass or laying in bed, and all of a sudden something comes into your head that's just totally out of the blue. And you go, duh, why didn't I think of that? That's, that's that's usually your ancestors talking to you. And if you if you don't tend to remember those moments, the best thing to train yourself to do it is to keep, is to keep a journal with you and just write them down. And then just keep writing them down and don't read them. And then in about six months' time, go back and read what you wrote, and it'll really astound you. And for within... Goose came. Goose. Goose. Now, goose is an animal that will stop its path to help another soul on theirs. In other words, it's it's a self-sacrifice um, animal. It's an animal that that will try to help other souls along their path. And you don't, it doesn't have to be that you are a nurse or something like that, but you're a person that if somebody needs help, you're going to talk to them. And you may, and it's not about, it's not about money or, um, physical things so much as it's about mental help, um, just listening to some an old person or just allowing somebody to vent. And at some point in your life, you're probably going to significantly stop your path, if you haven't already, to help another soul. And that can involve, that can involve raising a child also or helping a parent or helping a friend. Um, but you tend to have that personality if you have goose. Goose is a very powerful animal spirit. It's a very powerful animal spirit. So what I see, what I see looking at all five cards for you is a person who probably has not always had an easy Life has not always emotionally had an, had an easy life. You may have been hurt emotionally, but you've been able you've been able to process that. And you're also a person who has the ability to talk to spirits easily. And you don't mind diversity. You don't mind differences and things. You may even be you you tend to probably look at all sides of an issue. And and that's a, that's a good thing. And you're you're a person you're a person who has a good soul, who who has a soul that that wants to be helpful rather than a soul that wants to to do this to make money. It money's not not a driving force for you. Soul work is. 
helping helping people helping people people along their path. How's that sound? It's quite amazing. I was just as you were talking, I made some notes, and and uh, yeah, this was really interesting. I'm just going to go through and and um, and I just speak up, and, and I would love your feedback. But for the for the frog, you said water is a um, important element. Now, right. um, oh, hold it. Just uh, I'm going to just edit one thing out. I'm going to. There's a friend of mine talking to me. Oh, oh, I'm talking. Just this is. This is actually a close friend of mine. It's very interesting that she showed up right at this moment. Um, and she's quite an intuitive person. And I'm just going to say I'm doing a session right now. Um, here, so so for the water... Um, it's, move, now it's movement through um, movement through emotions through the use of water. The main thing with frog is, is emotional... Is, um, is moving through your emotional problems okay through water i live out west and i I moved out west about uh almost 20 years ago specifically to be a ski bum and uh Uh and when i say ski bum i mean uh you know that's water i'm traveling i'm i dedicated my life for a good chapter you know over half my life almost or close to half my life just to being on water it's frozen obviously but it's still water and then in the summers water in the summers, I go up to Alaska and I teach mountaineering, and have been doing that for about the last eleven years. Uh, and and I teach mountaineering oh, wow. on glaciers in Alaska, which is water. And the joke is, people in my little town here, it's come summertime, they all have whitewater kayaks and things like that, and they're like, "Hey, Mike, let's go out and go uh, go go kayaking." And um and I'm, I basically say, "Nope, the water has to be frozen before I before I play on it." That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So for you, the water has to be cold and not flowing. Well, it's still so flowing. You, it just flows very, very slowly. <laughs> right, right. That's what I'm saying. So for you, this movement is not going to tend to be rapid. It's going to tend to be thoughtful and slow-moving. I will I will also you're add the, the, you're, Oh, keep going. You're the first person. Your first person that I've ever had that had ice as their main water. Well, it's interesting. That's very interesting. And it's funny you, you keep on saying slow. What I do is I've written a book, and it's actually quite a popular book, and it's a ski instructional book. And I and there's a form of skiing called telemark skiing, which is a uh, an ancient Norwegian style of skiing that that gained popularity in the in the West about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And uh, it's it's quite popular now, and I wrote a book on it with cartoons and illustrations, and it's very much different than normal skiing, like you would see a standard skier, like an alpine skier. It's very beautiful. It is quite an art form, and I always refer to it as ballet dancing. The other thing about uh, the other thing is that I do know that I mean I do know that glaciers move, and they do move fairly fairly fast for something that large, um, because I've. I went to Alaska, and we were right in front of one of the big glaciers there, and watched, listening to it move. Actually, mm-hmm. which just was the most amazing thing to me was to listen to it crack and rumble and 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 move. I mean, it just it was just amazing, just I, amazing. I think my record is twenty six days of living on a glacier, actually living, sleeping, um, playing, climbing on on a glacier proper, where I'll spend almost. 100% of the time. But that's that's where you find that's where you find that it's interesting 
that you find your bliss on water, which is basically what you're doing. Yeah. You're finding you're finding your bliss that that what which makes you happy is on is on water. Yeah. Which is where you get your spiritual information. So in essence, you have found the place that gives you your bliss. Okay. Which 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 rings does that, true? Does that make does that make sense? Sure, absolutely, absolutely, and maybe less so now. I feel like I'll, I'm 47 years old now, and I'm and I'm 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 uh, I'm not as drawn to it as I would have been a decade ago. Um, you know, I was very, um, but still, I'm I'm, I'm still very it's active. Probably, it's probably helped greatly, though, put you in the place you're in now. Yeah. So here I'm gonna. For B, you said, um, you know, trust in intuition, and it was very funny. We had were just speaking a little bit ago, and you were talking about being a uh, a, a scientist, a biologist, and um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to interrupt. Then I just wanted I was well, the thing I wanted to say so badly is that I have um, quite consciously been been aware that I should uh, minimize my my left brain. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, my 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 um my analytical side. Because I, I find that yeah, the analytical right. side makes me frustrated. It makes me confused. It it gets it it makes me you know I, I battle, you know especially in these more spiritual realms. And then I find that when I use my um, intuitive side, I can I can, uh, I, it's much easier for me. It just seems to be a much clearer, yeah, or more more natural. It flows. It, it's not. It, there's no static. Yeah, exactly. And I I always believe that the reason that I was put into a scientific world was to know how to fight it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you'll you'll see me you'll see me on the message board take the physicist on sometimes. I don't know if you ever read the message board. I don't actually follow but, that message board. They're, but they're uh, they're very much into proof, proof, proof. You've got to prove this, or quantum physically, you've got to prove this. And I keep telling them you can't prove the spiritual. It just is, and it doesn't. It doesn't need proof. It just is, yeah. and it proof just doesn't matter. So I've totally let go of that left side of my brain, other than to use it to do things like breathe and cook and. You sure. Know, oh, there's like times that. when there's times when you know you there, there comes the day when you have to balance the checkbook and you have to use you know. Right. Um, so, but but uh. But I think that we in a society are, are, are stuck in a society that, that is dominant with that side of the brain and doesn't give any credence to, to the, uh, the more intuitive sides of things. Well, what I, what, the way I explain it is that the mind-slash-ego controls the left brain, and it does not want to give up a bit of its power over, over, over a human to the right intuitive brain. It doesn't want to lose any of that ego or power, and so it wants to keep us in. It wants to trap us into the left brain to keep us from going to the right brain. And you can see that in things that people write. You can see, um, if, especially if you're intuitive, you can see if it's ego based or spiritual based. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very, very obvious to me. And if it's ego-based, I stop reading it. Mm-hmm. No matter what they have to say, I just stop reading it. Because once, like when I did your reading, I did it all right-brained. I didn't, I didn't think 
if you think about something, if you get a message spiritually and you think about it, that means you've moved it through the mind, ego, and the left brain, and it's going to get changed from what it truly was. And that's what people struggle to learn, is to not think about things. Mm-hmm. If, 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 um, you know, just, just for instance, um, I'm not, I was confirmed a Lutheran, but I never went back after I was confirmed. I neither, just, neither I did I, we have that spirit. in common. Well, I, I just, you know, wasn't, but my mother was Lutheran all of her life, and so I was sitting on my front porch on Good Friday, and and she shows up to me as a bumblebee. She, she showed up as a bumblebee at her funeral. And this lone bumblebee comes up and gets about six inches in front of my face and just stops and looks at me. And I said, hey, Mom, good, happy Good Friday to you, too. And it just kind of buzzed a couple of seconds and turned around and went off. And that was the first bumblebee I've seen all year. Did the same thing to me Easter Sunday. And I, and I just said, hi, Mom, happy Easter to you. I'm doing okay. You know, see you later. And it just went on off. I haven't seen it since. I but, have... I mean, it, 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 it's those kinds of things. But had I moved it to my left brain, it would have been, I know, it's just a bee buzzing you. But I knew it was her, mm-hmm. you know. Oh. So you just, you just kind of have to learn to separate and not let that left brain tell you no all the time. I'm interrupting here. I have a little story of my own about a bumblebee that flew up close to my ear at a very curious moment. I'll go into it in more detail at the very end. And when we get up to, to uh, coral, um, you said you referred to something as a duh moment. So like these moments where things just yeah, burst it, into it's your... Like, it's like if you're in an altered state, and you go into an altered state when you drive, when you ride, when you're do anything you're doing by rote memory where you're not thinking about what you're doing mm-hmm. and in and all of a sudden you make it this message or this statement that just is a moment of clarity. And I call that the moments. It's like, duh, why didn't I think of that? And well, where did that come from? And and it 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 that's coming from usually from your ancestors and usually filtering back to you over time. And this is very interesting because I call those nice thoughts. And actually, if you look at my, yeah. if you look at my blog, I have this little subchapter where I've, I've certain essays that I've written up. Um, I refer to them as nice thoughts and the way they arrive for me is, is, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, before you do something, you have to process it a little bit. You have to think about it. You have to dwell on it a little bit. You have to, you know, look at it from a few different angles. You have to, you know, and, and oftentimes that process is, you know, you know, you can get stuck in that process a little bit. But um, occasionally I will have these thoughts that just pop in my head and they are um, pleasant. They don't have any baggage associated to them. There's, they didn't, I didn't have to process anything and they just pop in my head and I call these nice thoughts. And they have been the, the, I almost want to say the catalyst for uh, some intensely uh, funny, oftentimes and 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 outwardly paranormal experiences. Uh, so so yeah, I'll just I'll just I'll leave it at that for the nice thoughts thing. And so you said Goose was helping another soul. 
Goose is about is about helping other souls, and and that doesn't have to be a human soul. It can be an animal soul. It can be a plant soul. It could be a glacier soul. It could be the earth itself. It doesn't have to be a human soul, but it, it it's helping with healing or facilitating um, a safe passage or safe movement. When I sp- and and I I would look at that more as a long term thing. When I started this blog, um, one of the first things I did was I did a. Uh, psychic reading with a with a woman named Marissa Ryan and I had been the blog had been up for like two weeks or so at that point and I was kind of in this crazy gushing I was just putting so much stuff on the blog and some of the stuff I had written ahead of time and this was this was just a little over a year ago and she did a psychic reading and and I could actually quote it I think from heart by by memory here where she, where she said, you need to be writing. And I was like, I'm already writing. That's already happening. I'm writing like crazy. It's kind of a compulsion at this point. And she said, she said, okay, you're, you are, you're going to produce something. You're going to produce a book or something. And then she said, um, the reason you're writing isn't to make a popular book. It's more that other people all over the world are having the same, uh, having the same experience you are. And it's very confusing for them. And they are going to turn to your writing for a sense of, solace for a sense of comfort there you go and and uh when she said that as corny as it sounds it rang true i was like well that yep. sure rings true and um and i knew it on some level and and in a way i've been as i proceed through this process of of um of uh adding things to this blog format and i've been very um aware that they're that the readers out there potentially even if it's just one person out there um may find some benefit and and the people and i've actually had a lot of people contact me with very strange stories and i've been very um uh helpful as best i can be or i've tried to be anyway that's good that's absolutely good okay so that's that's the validation of that and then, so this is coming as a validation of what what she told you and what you're doing, and what I sense and what's what I sense in my gut too. You know, as as being a sort of yeah. truth about the whole thing. Um, so, and then you gave your overall, um, and you said, you know, you've, I've had an, you said something like, "Ooh, there's I, I see an emotionally hard life," and I well, have. No, well, not necessarily. Well, you you've had to process a lot of emotion. Emotional things, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, and I've been very open about this on the in the, my writings in the blog. I have a history of severe clinical depression, and I've gone through some extremely challenging um, chapters in my life. Uh, some of them have lasted um, years, and uh, and uh, that so so that that reads true. It has been a very I've, yeah. I've gone through some stuff where I've had to do very hard personal work and to, to overcome or to integrate. Well, that's a better way to say it. I don't like to use the word overcome, to integrate um, some of these life events. Um, and then and you, you found water to help you. And I found water to help me. I think that was part of the reason I moved out west was, yeah. was uh, I was yeah. living in New York City and uh, and I just figured like, well, heck, I'm going to just, uh, like, I, I enjoy skiing. I'm just going to give myself over to it. Yeah, yeah. And you and. And frog uses water, which what which is what you've used to help you move through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. 
And then you said look at things from all sides as far as like a diversity of trying to get a, th- a view of things. And oh boy, that's actually I do that to a fault where I feel like I can, I can, uh, I can look at things from so many different angles and be completely at peace with speculating. And um, uh, especially in this, you know, the paranormal realm and the UFO realm, um, you know, I'm so yeah. open to looking at all sides that uh, it almost frustrates people who are locked into into a, into one into one view. Um, that I'm so open-minded as far as... It, 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 it's, a very, it's a very good thing that you're open-minded because you're going to need to be open-minded. Humanity's going to need to be more and more and more open-minded quicker and quicker and quicker because uh, I can feel a quickening and a, a real quickening of spiritual... Um, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but the need for spiritual awakening for for humans to get out of dogma and into a more open, diverse, uh, the ability to to be more diverse is greatly needed Mm -hmm. right now, and it's going to become even more needed, and it's not going to be too far off. And then you said you said um, money is not a driving force. Ha! <laughs> that that is boy, that one's true. You know, it's it's very it's very. Um, I have not concerned myself with money um, ever really in my life, and and uh, and I've much been much more content, and I'm much more proud of myself when I when I yeah. do things. Uh, you know, and oftentimes people will will say you're wasting your time or something like that, and I'm like, well, I was drawing. That's not wasting my time. But and then they say, but you can't sell that, and I was like, well, I don't. Like it was fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. So, uh, so that's interesting. Hey, here's another. You had, oh, keep going. Then you, had, then you had Beetle Out West, which is enlightenment, which which you obviously have. I mean, that's just pretty obvious. And I don't know if it is obvious because I don't feel enlightened at all. Um, I mean, it's it may be obvious to I. You know, it feels like I'm still in the. I'm still uh, uh, struggling. Well, you're still in the process of becoming enlightened, but you're but you are further along than the vast majority of people are. Okay, I've got to interrupt again. Um, I was actually very close to editing this section out. I'm leaving it in, and I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm really uncomfortable with these kind of compliments. Uh, this woman, Diana, was very sweet and very kind to tell me that um, she see, she senses that I'm enlightened. Uh, I just don't see it from my end. I am as mixed up and confused as I've ever been in my life. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I left it in. You are you are able to in that you're able to look at different sides, and that you 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 are you are able to to not focus on money and material things. Mm-hmm. That you that you understand that. That doing what makes your soul happy is more important than what makes your brain happy. That is, that's what enlightenment is. Well, then, okay, good, good, because I mean, some, I mean, and I think part of that comes from uh, being deeply unhappy through long sections of my life. I kind of recognize the difference, you know, like what real, you know, what. Um, yeah. I always tell people, always tell people that. People that that live in big houses and have a lot of money and have had it easy and have never had to struggle have not made many gains soul-wise. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you learn the most through the hardships. 
and the, the, the easy time, you don't learn as much in the easy times as you do in the hard times. Yeah, that sure is true, I think. Um, hey, here's, and I'm just, as far as like on the animal spirit thing, or just like, I'm just going to, I have, I live out west here, and I live right by Grand Teton National Park. I live in a very beautiful place. Um, in the last four years or so, I have seen so many owls. They they have been appearing um, in groups that are that are uh, strange. It's very rare for people who've lived here all their lives to see more than one owl at a time. And I've seen them in groups of five. I've seen them multiple times in groups of three. Um, and oftentimes these these uh, group sightings. Here I'll give you one example. I was with a, f- a friend, and uh, we hiked into the mountains, and we were going to camp for one night, and. We were sitting together, and this was a, a woman that was a uh, she was just a friend, and and it was sort of at this moment where we were having a very deep conversation, and uh, it was right at the moment where I realized, like, good grief, this is an extremely smart, open-minded, and insightful person, and uh, and she was actually trying to define her deepest. Uh, she was trying to define God in the in the, in the deepest way she could, and at that moment, three owls appeared. And flew above us and sat next, not really sat next to it, but landed close by and landed on tree branches close by and swooped right down within a few feet of us. And that lasted for, for an hour that they were flying around like that. And they appeared right at that moment. And I have a few stories that, that match that, um, you know, that coincidence of having a very deep conversation and then owls showing up. Well, owls, um, owls have the ability to see in darkness. In other words, they they can take the unknown and bring it into the light. So they can they can take what might have remained a secret from you and bring it into um, into the light. They're they're known for their ability to see in darkness. Mm-hmm. They also fly silently. So owls learn and do their work more in silence. In other words, um, on your blog, you have your blog, but you are not interested in becoming famous from your blog. You're, you're in, more interested in... Um, putting the information out there to help people. So that that would be very owl-like. Do you do you see these groups of owls when you're with someone or alone or both? Uh, it's usually I'm with someone when I see the groups. And oftentimes I've seen I've seen them alone. I've seen them um I've seen owls alone a few times and I've seen uh groups of two when I'm alone. But but most of these have, have occurred. They can, be com- they can be coming if you're with someone. They can be coming for that other person as well. And another thing that Al does is it sees behind masks that people wear. Mm-hmm. But if you've got that many owls around you, you must have Al as one of your lifelong animal spirits. If you've got that many owls around you. Yeah, and I and I don't know, and I've just and on one level they're very beautiful and very fascinating, and and they have a, a lot of mysterious allure. Just they look mysterious, and they their silence is mysterious, and and uh, 
So um, I've always been impressed with them for that reason alone. I love owls. A lot of people are afraid of owls. And a lot of the abductees are afraid of owls because they seem to be a screen, which I'm not, I, I'm not an abductee, so I can't talk about that I, within, you know, I don't know. But owls and wolves, people, but people tend to be afraid of owls and wolves, whether they've been abducted or not, for some reason. And both of them are, are a little spooky in the sense that they have an eerie quality to them, and they also, in just in straight folklore, they have you know Halloween is you know has has owl imagery and and such so and Wolfman and things like that, werewolves and so, right. So there's and, and those two animals tend to in snakes. People are scared to death of snake, um, which I have. I work with snake. I work with a cobra. Actually, I have have cobra in my east, which is. Uh, where I gained my information, um, and and but snake is a very powerful animal spirit through all um, native peoples, mm-hmm. and it it always has been. Um, but you you probably have owl as a lifetime animal spirit, which to me is a good thing. No, it's been fascinating for me. And then all these little yeah. coincidences that are related to owls seem to show up in, in my life. As, hey, um, here's, I'm going to jump back. Who's Rex? Rex. Rex is the, the little being that protects that portal in my backyard. And and this Did is, listen? I listened to the Did audio thing to with Ann yeah, Streber. Rex, he's the one that comes inside and sits in that chair and then nobody, nobody. When if somebody comes over and he's inside sitting in that chair, which they can't see him because he's in spirit form. Okay, uh, that came out of nowhere. Uh, Diana had done a previous audio interview on Whitley Strieber's site, unknowncountry.com, with Whitley's wife Anne, and it was an excellent interview. And there was a lot of extremely odd stuff that came out in that interview that. Uh, um, that I won't cover again in this interview. Um, there's a few little points that get covered a second time. So I'm interjecting here just to fill you in. Um, I highly recommend listening to that other interview, and it will certainly help uh, round out this uh, conversation. Thank you. But they will not sit the little chair that Rex sits in. It's just hilarious. But I never say anything. I never say, oh, oh I see you didn't sit there because Rex is there. But he's not... He's not, um, he doesn't look like my visitor guy, and he doesn't look like a guy, and he, he, he protects, there's a portal in my backyard that goes from one universe to another, and I don't know which one it goes to, and um, that's, why I was, that's what I was talking to Ann about. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he stays outside, except in hot weather, cold weather, and bad weather, and then he'll come and sit in the willow chair. But he doesn't ever say anything to me. He doesn't talk to me much. And I had a, I had one of those portals at the house where I used to live. He closed that portal, and when I moved to my new house, I noticed he was sitting in the wooden chair, and I said, well, what happened to the portal? And he said, I closed that one. There's another one in your backyard. And, and I did ask him, I said, well, am I supposed to go through that portal? He said, oh, no, 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 don't ever go through that portal. 
And I asked him, well, why is it there? And he says, because we know you won't bother it. We know it's safe in your backyard because you won't bother it. And I haven't. I know where it is. But I just, um, and I don't bother it, and I don't feel any need to go through it to see what's on the other side. Um, it suffices for me for him to have told me not to do it. I, I don't know what he looked. He wears some kind of a complete suit that covers him totally, face everything, and he's about four feet tall, and he's kind of chunky. Mm-hmm. And he's, he looks human. He's got a humanoid look to him, shape-wise. He's not skinny like Gray's are with big heads. But I've never seen his face, and he, he's got this very tight, kind of glimmery suit on all the time. And that's, that's all I know about him. But he's been with me for 30, 40 years, probably. Wow. A very long time. And then why did Very you long. why did you focus on the more the animal spirit things? Um, rather than humans. Well, it seems like you have like you, what these spirit guides seem to be interdimensional guides, or or you portray them as being um, uh, potentially aliens. Um, yeah, uh, I've got I've got all kinds of spirits in this house. I just I love animals. I guess I guess it's the easiest answer. Is I just love animals and have as a child, and I had more interaction with animals and that they seem to have chosen me to speak through Mm -hmm. i don't think it's so much that i chose them i think they chose me so i that's that's what i that's just what i do i have no um desire to to like be a psychic for humans at all i i have no no desire whatsoever to do that, and I, because I don't think that's where my path lies. I think my path lies with with talking and working with animal spirits and trying to facilitate other humans to do the same thing. But at the same time, you just gave me a five card reading that was was for me. Yeah, right. I can do I can do that, but I, I'm doing that from the animal side. You, not from you to the animal side. Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. Sure. What I told you was not what I thought. It's what the animals told me to tell you. Mm-hmm. And when you ask, when you're asking me a question about the animal spirits, um, I'm telling you what the owl told me to tell you, not what I what I wanted to tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. Absolutely, sure, but, sure. But they, they're they're talking to you through me. I'm. I just have a mouth, basically. Uh huh. And when I'm doing them online, I just type, and I'm typing so fast because they used to be a secretary, so I type about sixty, seventy words a minute, and I'm typing so fast. But they tell me to type, and most of the time it makes no sense to me at all. I have told people some of the strangest things, and I thought, my God, they're going to laugh at me. And they would say, oh, my God, you have no idea. And it made total sense to them. To me, it made no sense. Do you find more clarity with the, uh, with, in typing or with speaking aloud? Um, it doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. It, it, does, it, does, it doesn't matter. 
And how's your spelling and punctuation and things like that when you're when you're typing in that way? It, it's fairly good, actually. Now that I think about it, because I'm a really bad speller, it's actually fairly good. I think my record, when I did a five-card reading for you, but when I was doing them online, I would do two-card readings, um, which would be your left side and your right side for balance. And I think my record was like 36 readings in two hours. Wow. And, and when the quality was good, you didn't feel like it sacrificed anything to be that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told them exactly. I told them exactly. I told them what cards came up. I told them what their issues, what, what each animal represented, what their issue was. And, and then let them ask me questions huh, about, about the reading. And most of them would say... Um, understand completely thank you you know and then every once in a while somebody would have a question but most people understood them i would do them in the delphi forum and i would have sometimes i'd have people would be coming and going and i had a friend that kept a list and the readings were done in order of when a person came into the room and she would tell me who i was reading the net, you know, what the person's name was, and then I would draw the cards and do the reading. Um, of course, none of these people I would have met. I didn't know any of them except by handles, by screen names. That's how come I know how many were done because she had she would keep a list for me. But my health got to where I could not sit and type for two hours. And I knew that if I did them, I was going to have to do it for two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just do them. I do them online in that forum now. And uh, okay, good. Let me, I'm going to tell you one more story, and and this is one that I've actually told very few people, and it perfectly perplexed me. Um, I have a missing time event in 1974. I was 12 years old, and I was walking home from school, which should have been about 15 minutes. And or less, and instead it took um, uh, over almost two hours. And I was with another person, and that event has bothered me. And I've never talked about that event. And we also that same night saw a bright orange flash in the sky. And I and I had a conversation with Anne uh, just before you, about a couple weeks before you, of the very similar. And I told the story. Right. Um, I. Uh, one of the one of the things that I do that I find very helpful for me, and it seems to work, so I don't want to jinx it, and just it is I'll go out into the mountains and I'll sleep out under the stars in the summertime, and before I go to sleep, I'll ask the universe for help. And what I've been doing lately is taking a uh, little handheld voice recorder, and part of the reason I take that is so when I declare, like the asking, you know, I, I, it's very formalized. I'll say like, you know, I'll do it right into a into the recorder, so I'll have a copy of it. And then in the morning, if I have a dream, I'll want to be able to to uh, uh, document the dream right away. And right. Uh, so I did that one night, and, and I basically said, this was last summer, and I was frustrated. I didn't know what was going on. I was anxious. I was not at peace. This whole process goes through, I go through very anxious times with this whole process of trying to come to terms with some of these old memories that I don't quite know how to quantify. And uh, so I went in the mountains, I declared, I basically said, listen, I, I, I'm open for anything, I don't care if it's scary, I don't care, uh, but I just need, I, I just need some clarity, and just need whatever information I need, I'm open and receptive. So the next morning I wake up and nothing. 
Uh, later, I found out that um, when I got back to my house, it was between 9.30 and 10 that I made the uh, that little plea to the, into the uh, microphone. And when I got home, I had a friend request of, through Facebook from this person also named Mike. And he was the person that was there in 1974 that experienced the missing time event with me. And he, his Facebook uh, request, basically it says, you know, Mike wants to be your friend on Facebook. And that occurred at 9.38, potentially the exact minute I was talking into the, uh, uh, into the voice recorder the night before. And I hadn't talked to him for almost 30 years. 29 years, I think. Well, I think the universe answered you. Well, that's that was my impression. Yeah, they answered me very clearly. Yeah. So the next morning when I got up, it was a very pretty morning, and it was high up in the mountains, and I just took a little walk around. And it was, And one of the things I saw when I was walking around was a pine marten. I don't know if you're familiar with the pine marten, but it's a, it's a no. pretty big member of the weasel family. It's a very pretty weasel. It, it's oh. much more it's much more cat like than a than a mink or a, like you know it doesn't have the slinky long. Oh, um, oh, that kind of martin. I was thinking of a bird martin. We have yeah. purple martins standard. Yeah. Okay. So, so 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 and it was this beautiful brown color and it was it was right up close to me and I walked right up to it and we kind of stared at each other and it trotted off. It didn't seem too too worried. Um, and as I was facing it, it was just a little bit on my left side. And um, and then on the way home. From that, this is before I had gotten and checked the email. I had uh, what I will refer to, and we talked about a little bit before you, and I just called it a nice thought. And what, and the nice thought was, and I may have to edit this out because it involves some some uh, some personal stuff. But um, there was a woman that worked at the at the health food store in my little town, and I had this nice thought. I said I should ask her out on a date, and it just popped into my head. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to dwell on it. It wasn't it wasn't something I. And it just popped into my head, and at the exact same moment, I was driving home on this twisty, turny road, and as soon as I had that thought, she passed me on the road in her car. Um, so there was like there was no the nice thought appeared, and without any time elapsing, she was right next to me. Um, later, that was another immediate answer. Yeah, and that's that's those nice thoughts seem to have that kind of reply. So I eventually went in uh, to the health food store, and I wasn't nervous, which is unusual for me. And I and I asked her out. She said no, which is fine. And I and I basically laughed at my, to myself. I said, "Well, the universe didn't say I had to go out with her. All the universe said is I had to ask." So, um, yes, uh, so I, uh, but I so I rode my bike. To, I live in a very small town, and and there's a bike path from my house that connects the town. And I rode my bike to town, and I'm, and I asked her out on a date. She said no, and then I rode home. And as I was riding home, this is this is within 48 hours of, of the event with seeing the Pine Martin and also the uh, the confirmation over email with the fellow named Mike saying, you know, he wants to be my friend after 29 years. So I I'm riding my bike home on the bike path, and I have this thought, and it pops into my head in this kind of way that I wasn't dwelling on it, and I was I basically said to myself, huh. Boy, I've really gone over the edge, you know. Now I'm totally. Is this is this crazy that I'm that I'm asking girls out on dates just because, uh, you know, like I, I'm convinced the universe is is telling me so? And at that moment, not a moment before, not a moment after, I saw, which is extremely unusual, I saw a, a full badger, a great big fat badger, running uh, parallel to the bike path, um, and we we basically crossed paths. 
Um, and that is very unusual. In all the years I've lived out here, I've never seen a badger um, uh, like out in the open like that. That's, that's, I, I kind of am laughing as you're telling me this because because I know what those animals mean. So it's kind of in, it's interesting. Um, first of all, Martin's a member of the weasel family, yep. right? Yep, so is the badger. Right. Um, well, weasel is the, abil- is the ability to see hidden reasons behind things. And what you had done was you had asked the universe to help you with this, and then you had this series of seemingly unrelated, almost crazy events happen. And so your message for the Martin was to look at the hidden reason behind that, in that that was the answer to your question. You mm-hmm. wanted the wanted the universe to to help you, so the universe was is is helping you. Now, badger, badger, I laugh because I love badger. Badger is, um, badger, you know, the interesting thing about badger is in the native um, cultures, badger is the keeper of stories, which is kind of what you're doing on your blog, Mm -hmm. kind of what you are as a keeper of stories. But it, it also... Um, badger, badger, people that are, that are, that are working with badger, badger are usually in a state of mind that they're not going to take anything off of anybody. It's, it's basically a rip your lungs out if you mess with me type of thing. Which, which, very, is, which is not like me at all. That's, I'm not, that would not I describe know, me. I know, I know it's a single mindedness, um perseverance, it's not being a victim, it's being, it's being grounded, having a knowledge of the earth, and if anybody messes with you, God help them, in your, in your quest to do what it is that you want to do. So, it could be that you are going to have some kind of a trial come up where you're going to need to not be passive. You're going to have some kind of issue come up that's going to be, um, that you're going to either be able to be passive or you're going to be able to be bold and somewhat aggressive. And you may need, you may need, you, you need to stand. It's, it's going to be something where you need, you're going to need to stand your ground about something. And um, these animals sometimes come three, four, five months before the before whatever's going to happen to you. They'll give you a heads up, and uh, that's such an unusual sighting. That's such an unusual sighting um, that I would I would kind of be looking out for when that was going to happen, but. I have a feeling as far as you're missing time and you're not remembering it, it's not time for you to remember it. At this point, the conversation goes back and forth and we talk about some personal things and, and uh, it, the conversation wanders a little bit. So I just simply snip that out and then I'm going to start here again. 
I do know, though, that I spent many, many, many past lives as an Aborigine in Australia. I do know that. And I know that they have the ability to do that because they have the ability to move back and forth between uh, here and the dream time whenever they want to. And they're, they're also, yeah, I went there for four weeks um, in the outback. Yeah, I took as many um, Aboriginal tours as I could. I had a wonderful time. Just a wonderful time. And I really, that's where my soul is. Did I lose you? No, this is fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting because I think of, I think like whatever's going on here, you know, in this, you know, like I, I walk into the kitchen and if I stub my toe, it hurts, right? So there's this physical reality that I'm, I'm saddled with. And then at the same time, there's some sort of a spiritual reality that's, that's a little more difficult to access. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the deeper teachings of any uh, metaphysical teacher, you know, whether it's Jesus or anyone who's, you know, says, you know, there's this other world, there's this other kingdom just beyond our perception, you know, and it, and it seems to be overlapping at all times. I mean, it seems like we're swimming in it, but we just can't perceive it. Right. It's about, it's about the ability to perceive it. And that's what I've been learning to do all my life is to, per- is to be able to perceive them. I can see them both at the same time and how I see them is I can tell them apart too. I see this world and then I see the spiritual world with a very thin veil in front of it. It's so thin that it, if you didn't really look, you wouldn't know it was there. That's how come I can I can be in my living room and see Rex, or I can see my visitor guide, or I can see um, um, all of the spirits that are in the house, or two dragons that live on my roof, um, because I can I can perceive both of them at the same time. But that's something that I truly believe I've been learning to do for close to 70 years. The more you, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. That's all I can tell you. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And, and it's interesting because my, my uh, working on this blog and doing the writing and sort of looking into this, I feel like I, looked, I just made a decision to look into this stuff at, at a very deep level, at a sort of a soul level. And I also made the decision to do it very publicly. Um, I was involved in a documentary, which is sort of petered out, which is just fine. Uh, you know, the, the, I don't know if that was, you know, it may or may not have been a good documentary, but it um, it was certainly an impetus for me to to sort of really openly pursue this stuff. And the act of writing about it and the act of looking into it has I mean, literally opened the floodgates of of bizarre synchronistic experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and they're going to keep increasing the more the more you do it, until one day they're just going to meld together, and they're no they're no longer going to be bizarre, but they're going to be normal. And it's starting they're, to they're be just, it's starting to be normal at this point, but it's uh, it and for for a while there it kind of freaked me out, you know, like they were unsettling. Yeah, it does it does it does freak you out when it when you first starts happening happening to you. It does it does freak you out. Yeah, it truly does freak you out. Just like my visitor guide, she's always whispered in my ear, and I've always known that she wasn't human. She's always been a voice in my ear that was very distinct. She has a very distinct sound, a very non-human distinct sound. She's been doing that ever since I was two, you know, she's probably been doing it all my life. Well, I know I've been with her for multiple lives. I know that. 
just in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, have I been able to perceive that she's shown me herself. But I know to trust her. And, and she doesn't manipulate me. She's never tried to manipulate. She's only told me not to do one thing in my life. Back in the mid-50s, there was a book that came out called The Search for Bridie Murphy. I think it was the first famous book on reincarnation. And I remember buying that as a, as a 16-year-old, um, and I had to spend all my money on it. I remember thinking, gosh, she would be fun. I want to get hypnotized and do my past life. And the, this voice came in my ear and says, no, no, no. You can never be hypnotized. And I said, why? She says, because you know things. You can never be hypnotized. That's the only time she's ever told me not to do something. I was 16 years old, and I still remember it. Wow. Yeah, the hypnosis thing shows up a lot, especially in the UFO research community. And, and I've I've attempted hypnosis a few times, and I was very kind of needy at a certain point where I really like was, oh, just the, the emotional anxiety about needing an answer was hard. And um, I... Uh, patience is hard. Patience is hard. And that's what it is, is it's patience. Because you'll get your answer, but you've got to be patient. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's tough to be patient, and it's tough to be... It's hard. Well, it's tough, to be, it's tough to be sort of struggling with something so, um, you know, by, by everyday standards that's so bizarre and so sort of out of the ordinary, and, and to be struggling with right. it. And, and uh, you know, and I want some sort of answer, I want some sort of solution, I want some sort of solace, as opposed to being stuck in the in the in the mixed up place. Um and I go through phases. Presently right now I feel pretty good about all this stuff and uh it has Yeah, you, you you should because there are there are there are literally millions of people who are in the same place that you are. But you just don't know it because they don't talk about it either. Yeah. But it's through it's through you talking about it that gives them the courage to talk about it, or even to contact you to talk about it, and it—that's it, that's your gift. That's that's your your working with goose. That's your gift is to 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 let those, these people know that they're not crazy and they're not bipolar and they're not schizophrenic. That they're just experiencing a different perception than what everybody what most people who just are so focused on their everyday selves that they don't pay any attention. Mm-hmm. You have to pay attention. In, in order to see differently, you have to pay attention. And that's what I think I've been very good at lately, is paying attention. And and I think that um, I one person, this woman named Dina, who I liked enormously, This she was uh, I met her at a conference, and she explained... Um, which was just such a nice way to look at it, that the synchronicities, and that's the way things have been manifesting in, with me more than anything, is these synchronicities, that the synchronicities yeah. are, um, are little threads. And they are. They, and you have to pull on them to see what they're connected to. And you might pull on them and it might connect you to another synchronicity, but if you ignore the thread and you don't pull on it, you're doing, you're doing sort of a disservice to the helpful nature of the universe. That's right. That's right. It's it's a giant web. It, yeah. it, it's a giant web, and you're pulling on one strand, which leads you to another strand, which leads to another strand. And if you never pull on the strand, then then that vibration stops, 
and you you you'll probably get another chance, but you might not. You you may be given a different chance that'll take you somewhere else. But the synchronicities are are important. They are. I believe that. And and the fact that the act of pulling on them has been really rewarding and and oftentimes funny. Um, you know, I mean, some, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a playful nature to this, and whatever's going on with me, I have to say, um, I don't have any scary memories. Um, I have a lot of confusing things where 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 like it's just the stuff is so strange that it's produced an anxiety in me, but nothing has been scary, and and I feel That's very good. thankful for that because I've talked to some folks that have really scary experiences. And it's all about the movement through that fear. Because fear will stop you from doing any spiritual work. If you have fear, you can't move into the spiritual. Because I don't believe I don't, I, I don't believe you can have true faith with that while being fearful. Mm-hmm. Because in, uh, because I believe that's what the definition of faith is: is fearlessness. That's actually is a nice way to put it. Is because I mean, there's so many things just. I, I mean, I, whatever. We're trapped in this in this realm where you know these spiritual things have the uh, the or these multi-dimensional things are just by the very nature mere nature that we're people and we're humans. We don't have the access to the spiritual realm the same way that like an interdimensional being might. On some soul level, where where or some deep deep metaphysical level, I'm sure we have access to lots of things, but that's. Oh, and to enter into that and to look into this stuff requires a level of, of fearlessness. Yeah, it does. It does. And if you're too fearful to look, you'll never see. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot there's a lot of fear associated with abductions because people had very, very bad times. But likewise there are humans who have had very, very bad times that could be said to be as bad a time with other humans, you know, crime-related or whatever, and somehow they're able to move through it. So it's, again, about perception. It, what, what makes one worse than the other? It's the fear. It's the terror and the fear. And I believe that that it's a test. I believe those abductions are tests on the on on the soul, on the ability of the person to move through the fear, because a lot of people that have moved through the fear have come out out the other side greatly enlightened or understanding of of a far greater consciousness than before it happened. Like Whitley. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like Whitley. Yeah, and I, exactly. I, I, you know, I'm not sure what to make, because I don't really have anything that, that amounts to a, I don't have any memories of any sort of abduction things. I do have a lot of things that hint at them, um, and those things have been, in the last few years, a little oppressive. Like, I can't quite shake any of those memories, and I dwell on them, and I look at them from so many different angles, and I obsess about them, um... And uh, whether that's healthy or not, I don't know. But I, but it has the actual act of looking, the actual act of of digging, and that's that's almost what I always thought the the, the badger represented is is uh, digging because that's what they do. They dig. It does. Yeah, it does. 
It's also single-minded. It, it, it also is aggressive. Maybe that's what the aggressive, where, where the aggressiveness in not, and, and then once, once you find out not, not allowing yourself to be a victim, maybe that's where the badger comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's also interesting that it coincided with like something that should have been very nerve-wracking for me, which would have been asking a woman out on the date. Uh, and it wasn't nerve-wracking at all. It was just, just as peaceful, and I just you know said as much, and I, I could tell it took her totally by surprise. She had no idea where that was coming. And uh, but uh, uh, and she remains. Did you see the badger? Did you see the badger before or after you asked her out on the date? After minutes after on the bike ride home from ask, asking her. That was your attaboy. <laughs> that, that's what that was. That that was your attaboy for doing what you were supposed to do. It didn't matter. She went out. It was the asking that mattered. Yeah, and that was funny because I that I, was your attaboy. And then, by the way, here's a little something else to help you out. Yeah. I will add yeah. that, that the I got a it was very close. I mean, I was literally on my bicycle looking down on it. It was right next to me. There's, That's unusual because badgers are very shy. Very, and it was bright daylight, and and uh, and I watched it cr- climb into a hole in the ground. There's a little den there that gets used by foxes every spring, and uh, and it climbed into this den that that is uh, right. It's actually kind of close to the highway, which was interesting. But it um it uh and a raven just flew right by my window. Just as I spoke, uh, that's interesting. Raven, raven, uh, was it a raven, not a crow? Well, we don't have crows here, so it would have been a raven. That's actually one it of the little raven. tricks. Yeah, raven is about holding a mirror up and looking at yourself as you really are, looking into your soul as 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 who you really are. Well, so raven, raven wants you to to be true to your soul. Okay, I'm interjecting one more time. Uh, from my desk, uh, there's a window above my desk. Below the window is a mirror. So in essence, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I saw the raven fly right in front of the window, like close. And it was, um, you know, in gazing in that direction, I am looking in a mirror. So there. So here, let me, this is, I don't know why I feel obligated, or obligated, impelled, I feel compelled to say this, and it's not that interesting in a way, but I just, I've, so when I saw the badger, um, there's a difference between like a a domesticated animal and a wild animal, the way their fur looks, and the badger had, had this, you know, nice, beautiful tanned coat, but there's something sort of, you know, it obviously like lived in the dust and it was midsummer and right, you know, it's dusty out here. I live in a high mountain environment. And so the fur had this kind of, um, you know, like, like it had just been rolling in the dust and it's something so clean about that. You know, you would think you would think if I described that and you would visualize it, you would, you would describe it as, oh, it's dirty or, oh, it's like messy or something like that. But it's just the opposite. It comes across as completely natural and completely clean. I've yeah, seen, natural. I've seen a lot of bears yeah, up close, and they have that, that their fur has this beautiful quality to it that, like, domesticated animals just don't have. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, the, beauty of, of, that's the beauty of a soul being allowed to be wild, being allowed to be what it's supposed to be. Now, here I'm going to... And your ability to be able to recognize that is important. Yeah, and... and uh, here I'm going to tell you a couple things. This is I, I, I'm, I have no idea where this conversation is going, and it's very funny that it has taken. It's like I had all these things planned for what we were going to talk about. We haven't talked about many of them, but uh, 
when I said the ba the the raven flew by my window, so I have my desk, and it faces the window, and I have my computer off on one desk, and I have my drawing desk right next door, and so the drawing desk faces this window, and I uh, and then the raven just zipped right by, and right under the window. So the window's above, big rectangle, and right under the window, exactly the same rectangle, is a mirror. And I keep a mirror on my desk, a great big mirror, because I, I do a lot of drawing of uh, hands and expressions and things like that. And it's nice to have a mirror just for drawing yeah. that kind of thing. So when you said that the, the raven is a reflection, I mean, I'm basi I was basically looking at myself and then saw the raven. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Ooh, I love this kind of... Just so you know, I love this kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. Because that's what, that's what the Raven wants you to do, is to hold the mirror up and look at yourself as you really are. And you were looking at yourself, and there came the Raven going, a boy! <laughs> so, so let, I'm going to tell you what... This is what I do for a living lately. Um, I've been doing less of the glacier work in Alaska, and more in the lower 48 here. I've been teaching courses which are uh, ultralight courses where and what that means is there's a form of camping you know we there's a technology has had a big influence on camping gear and one of the things it's yeah. done is it made it lighter and lighter and lighter and so uh, it's gotten so light that it used to be to go camping you know the old images that you need wear these great big heavy boots and then tromp through the mountains with a great big giant backpack you know but uh, technology as well as um as a change in attitude and a change of has has come along and uh, so you can do camping now with with very light shoes just running shoes and very very light gear and with some dedication and some some skills you can perform these things very safely now i used to work in advertising agency in new york city and mm -hmm. somehow or another i'm now i'm living and it's very strange i can't quite make sense of it now i'm living out west in this little town in this dusty little town, uh, skiing in the winter, and in the summertime, um, teaching this very advanced um, and cutting-edge form of camping. And I just think that's, I, I just... That doesn't surprise me. Somehow, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. And, and probably the reason for that is because whether you realize it or not, you have a centering um, within your being... Wow, well, that's interesting because the image I have of myself is being a little bit goofy and a little bit uh, uh, all over no. the map and a little bit frenetic. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I I don't think you're goofy. I think you're very well, goofy in a good way. I think. I I, I I think I think that you um, you may be non-conventional, but that doesn't have to anything to do with being centered. Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with with walking to your own drummer. Now, at this point, um, Diana uh, goes on and on and on. She's very complimentary to me, and, and I snipped a lot of that out. Uh, sort of an ego trip. Uh, it's not really relevant for this. And it made me, it would be, it feels very funny to include that here. But she's a very, very kind person, and she's a wonderful, I think she would make a great therapist and a great life coach. Um, and, I, and I listened intently, but it's not really appropriate for this uh, interview forum. Thank you. And in, in your in your ability to do camping that way, getting you even closer to the to the earth and seeing badgers and owls and ravens and 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 um, seeing the beauty in them in the the dust seeing that the dust on them is actually beautiful rather than dirty that kind of thing that's what's that's 
That's something that a centered person sees. A person who's not centered won't see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that felt very nice to hear a very sweet woman compliment me like that. Um, But enough of that for now. What's, uh, What's your intuition about the upcoming years or, 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 you know, what's, what do you foresee happening just down the road, uh, for, I just want to say, this is very, well, 2012 is is a kind of a catchphrase, but I think that just like, um, you know, what, what do you foresee in the future? Um, I foresee a really, 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 really severe change, um, let me let me say when I was talking with Anne, we were talking about the ark. Something occurred to me afterwards. In the Bible, you know, it says that the earth is created in six days, and on the seventh day God rested. Well, I have always known those were cycles and not days. And how long a cycle is, I don't know. One cycle may be two billion years, and another fifty thousand. But from what my guide showed me, they're prepared to lift off a lot of this planet, plants, animals, some humans, and she's not talking about a pair of giraffes, she's talking about enough giraffes to sustain a repopulation, because, you know, a pair you can't do that with. Yeah. You get too much inbreeding. She she showed me that they were going to instantaneously move them to another planet, just like Earth, and then when Earth settled back down instantaneously, right back down they'd come, untouched. Uh, messed with, um, but she told me not to worry about 2012. She said it wasn't going to happen right away. But that—that's what she told me. And she's and your, one of your spirit guides. She's my visitor. She's an alien. She's 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 a. She told me she wasn't a gray, but she she looks like Whitley's cover, except she doesn't all exactly look like his cover. She, she she actually showed me, and and she told me that it wasn't going to be like royal lines or it wasn't going to be famous people or military types. And she was talking about farmers, natives. She was talking about people who had the spiritual knowledge necessary to peacefully repopulate a planet, and it wasn't going to be famous people. That's what she showed me. Now, what's your sense of of like uh, metaphor and mythology and, and and literal truth versus metaphoric truth and stuff like this? Because this is something I, I struggle with. Um, the animals like dragons, the mythical beast. Um, I know they're from alternate dimensions. I know they really exist because I got a pair of dragons on my roof. But um, a lot of the stuff that has been written was told correctly and but interpreted in such a way that it could be understood at the time. So it's a lot of it is metaphors rather than literal. Like an ark that's a boat that floats on the water. Yeah. She showed me a wooden ark. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, you couldn't, there's no way you could take off that much in a wooden ark. Mm-hmm. But she also knew I was going to be talking to Anne, and Anne was the one that brought up a wooden ark. She didn't show me spaceships; she just showed me the stuff lifting right up and going. I didn't see any craft taking it. 
And I said, and I remember asking her, I said, you have the ability to do that? She said, in a heartbeat. That was what she said, in a heartbeat. Huh, and maybe so, maybe there won't come a need for that. You know, I I don't know, my, my gut reaction is that, you know, we collectively as humans um, are creative, and that's that's actually my, you know, like in the... In I, you the, know, any more than that, I don't know. All I know is I will not be one of them. Because that's all I know is I will not be one of them. That I do know. So I, it, I don't worry about it. Whenever it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And... Uh, you know, I'm not out trying to buy a place in the woods and, you know, buy guns and stuff like that to protect myself. <laughs> it do any, yeah, I mean, no. like, like it's really going to do any good anyway. I'll just do what I'm supposed to do here, and then when it's time for me to go, I'll go. Good. And that's kind of the way, uh, that's pretty much the way I feel about it. And, uh... And, sounds nutty, but, you know, I just, yeah, I'm just not scared of it, mm-hmm. I guess. But, uh... Well, I enjoyed very, very much talking to you. Good. This was interesting, and, and, it, and, it, and it had a and it and the conversation kind of looped around in ways that I did not expect at all. So, I think the one I had with Anne looped around for her too. Good, good. That's how conversations I'm, are. I, I'm not because there was not anything said, and I think we it kind of moved in directions that it kind of surprised her. I think. Yeah, and I and I think that that um, this I think will be a good companion to that to that other uh, yeah, chat too. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, have a good one. You too. And and I, I'm sure we'll talk again. Okay, sounds great. Bye now. Anytime. Sure. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, I think that went really well. That was a really delightful time talking with her. Uh, I was impressed. Hey, this format, this uh, audio format, and this blog in particular has been a very interesting form of self-exploration for, for me, for me personally, uh, and all the ego weirdness that's tied up in that um, personal hard look at myself. Uh, and I apologize to those folks who've made it this far if it sounded like they were sitting in on a therapy session, but um, uh, that just seems to be the way this blog is evolving. The uh, I mentioned a woman, Dina, at one point, and her name is Dina Blatt, and she was the one that I said I talked with, and she had uh, an insight into synchronicities. And we had a wonderful conversation a year ago at uh, the Laughlin Conference, and she wrote a book called The Artist and the Alien, and her name is Dina Blatt. I just wanted to give her a little call out since I mentioned her. And then... um, uh, also, I apologize that there was a repetition as far as the uh, the thing about the raven in the mirror. Uh, I uh, I didn't realize that that was going to get repeated. I did a little thing in there. And there's an incident involving a bumblebee. Early on in the conversation, she talked about sitting on her porch on the first day of spring as well as Easter Sunday. I think it was Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. And the first bee of the year uh, flew up to her and she said, Hi, Mom. Uh, and I thought that was just a really sweet story. I don't know whether it's true or not, or true in the sense that it was really her mom. I'm quite certain a bee actually flew up to her. But um, uh, I just I just like that sort of openness that people have to be able to share stories like that. And um, in honor of that openness, I had an experience a couple years ago. Actually, it would have been 2005. Um, a close friend of mine died. A friend of mine from New York City and I was at a wedding, 
and and I was going to be flying back to New York for the funeral, and the wedding was the night before the flight out um, back to New York City. So I was in kind of a hard headspace. It was sad. Uh, at the same time, the wedding was very beautiful and very joyous, and and uh, and it was uh, really nice. It was super fun, and um, and during the service, like during the service, like during the vows, during like the most formal point of the entire experience, um, a bee, a big fat bumblebee, flew up and flew right next to my ear and just hung out there for a second. And I remember at the time, without any hesitation, I said. Um, that's my friend. And, uh, you know, I, I, in essence, sort of called out his name. I was like, that's him. And, uh, and then the bee flew off. And I dismissed it. And I forgot completely about that until, uh, until Diana talked about it here. Once again, for the folks that listen to this, you should uh, go ahead and listen to the um, Unknown Country interview with Ann Streber. It's a nice companion to this. And who's ever made it this far, listening to this whole thing, thanks a lot. You're very patient. Bye now.